Holly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, we are recording this on December 21st. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to point out, you know, every year I you, at this time when we record, I like to bring a little holiday rage. Oh. And I am happy to say that I had none relating to my retail purchases this year. In fact, you know, I I am very much a surgical strike when I have to go into a brick-and-mortar place this time of year. I know exactly what I want. I've got it written down, model number, the whole bit, and I'll hand it to somebody and say, go get me that. And uh, I went into the jewelry store yesterday to pick up something for my wife, and I, and I just handed it to the lady when she walked up. She goes, oh, this that's not how we do it. And I said, oh, this is how we're doing it today. And, you know, she immediately fell in line. You know, I was in and out five minutes. It was awesome. This is how I do things. Now, here's where my holiday rage comes in. Uh, I am at my second store yesterday. And the the uh, person ringing me up says, nothing like waiting to the last minute for your Christmas shopping, huh? This was December 20th. Yeah, that's not last minute. And I looked at them and I said, "Are you? A, I, I can't. I can't tell. Are you a moron or are you a fucking moron?" <laughs> and he, the guy is completely taken aback. And I said, "I got five days till Christmas. This is last minute on December twenty fourth. Anytime after noon." I said, "Right now, I am early." <laughs> I'm like, "Fuck you." Now, last minute is Christmas Day, heading over to the family and stopping at Walgreens looking for something. Because <laughs> I've done that. I just, I, I am like, I am so thrilled that I'm done with my Christmas shopping. And I, I finished yesterday. And for this fucking punk to say, nothing like waiting to the last minute. When we got shorted a week in the Christmas cycle this year, it was all I could do not to hop behind the counter and murder that son of a bitch. <laughs> Let the hatred flow through you, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) I I emerged into my Sith lordiness. (laughs) You know, we we have a tradition here. Um, It's it's a fight like unlike any other. It's 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 actually pretty festivist. It's the airing of grievances. (laughs) Because we make a list of people that, that we're buying presents for. Right. And and the the game is is that person worth a gift? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I Fair. never win. I never win this argument. I <laughs> always lose, but we always have it. <laughs> it's it's like putting up the tree. <laughs> My neighbor told me a story yesterday about how uh, she and her uh, her brother in law. We'll have a conversation every year about, you know, what are we buying? You know, how much money are we spending on the kids? Because they don't exchange gifts for themselves. So, you know, she's not buying for her brother-in-law and he's not buying for her and her husband, but they're buying for each other's kids, right? And so they'll set, they'll set a limit. And so uh, the first year they did this, it was $20. We're going to spend $20 per kid. So that's exactly what they did. They bought each one of their kids, you know, $20 worth of stuff. And they bought their kids, you know, my, my neighbor's kids, $10 worth of stuff. And so the next year they say, okay, well, let's, let's do it $10. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, what the hell can you get for $10? Uh, apparently I'm Marvel comic. But uh, <laughs> um, they did the same thing. They cut it in half. The, you know, her brother-in-law, $5. And I'm like, wow. 
I mean, I would just the, the, the I my not only would uh, I would stop buying gifts for uh, my my brother in law's kids. I think that I would stop having a brother in law. I think he would just I, he would just lift out of my out of yeah. my life. Five dollars. Yes. I mean, what can you buy for five dollars nowadays? Not a, well, a, a DC comic. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> not a Marvel one, but not a DC a one. Comic. <laughs> DC comic. Well, five dollars you can go to like Five Below or ah, true, one true. of the specialty stores, and you can get a lot of interesting things there that don't look like they're five dollars a handful of cheap plastic from china is basically right. what i just heard yeah you can get them in a, you can get them a, a charging cable for their iphone from five below you can get them a couple of things out of the vending machine <laughs> <laughs> Oof. yeah yeah i mean i'm not judging but i'm a little judging uh- I I was I was absolutely judging that that, that those people would have li- would just lift right out of my life. I mean, for five dollars, you can you can swallow the five dollars. I just oof. good God, <laughs> good God. Well, Aaron, feeling the rage, like he mentioned, the Sith rage this week. Uh huh. Yeah. Is it perhaps inspired by the release of the Rise of Skywalker? And Tim, you probably want to take your headphones off. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 it dawned on me uh, yesterday when I was going to the theater that since the new trilogy came out, I have had some sort of cold or sickness each time I have seen Force Awakens, uh, 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 Last Jedi, yeah. and uh, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. I just uh, I, I, I I I'm sitting there in the theater going, huh? I have I have had a cold or something each time one of these movies has come out. Well, well were you down with the sickness? December. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you, Paul. Oh, I said, were you down with the sickness this time too? I was. Yeah, yeah I've got a little chest thing going on. Yeah, yeah, and I I was saying they do always come out in December in yeah. the winter. Yeah, and uh, you know it's usually right at the end of of uh, you know the hardest part of your of my work cycle. Uh, and I've been nothing but on the road for the last two weeks. And so, yeah. you know, and in a lot of airports. So uh, it's been uh, pr- kind of nasty. So anyhow, I, I sat there in the movie theater, uh, you know, going, huh, I'm, I'm not the only one coughing in here. But uh, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. And I'd like to point out, you know, when you've got a two and a half hour movie, maybe not put 30 minutes worth of trailers on the front of it. Oof. Isn't that Jesus Christ. I'm like already. I mean, I'm sitting there. I, I had already, you know, practiced some beverage management, uh, you know, going in there. But geez, Louise, did you see? So, um, I'm sorry, Wayne. Did you see it in IMAX? I, say, I did not. It's even worse in IMAX because you get like a five, like a I don't know, maybe a ten minute almost uh, preview of Tenet, the mm. uh, the new Christopher Nolan film, plus trailers. Yeah. yeah. So it's a so solid any, thirty minutes. Trailers. Any trailers worth mentioning? I had the Black Widow trailer. I did too. You know, As I gotta I. say nowadays because trailers are released online. Other than Tenet, which was the, which I will say didn't impress me. Um, there was nothing that I hadn't already seen or that blew my mind. Well, you know, for me, it's always different seeing the trailer on the big screen versus seeing it on your computer, right? Uh, so I really enjoyed seeing the Wonder Woman trailer. Uh, I, I thought that looked that looked really snazzy. I didn't have I, that with mine, oddly enough. <clears throat> I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, I didn't either. It looks pretty damn sharp. I had Doolittle um, with mine and Bad Boys for Life. Yes, I did not even know Doolittle was coming out. And 
you know, why why in the hell wouldn't they have cast an English actor, a British actor for that film? Yeah, I don't know. Because Robert. Downey why Jr. do they was think available? that Robert Downey Jr. can do a British accent? Well, what is Doolittle? <laughs> it it's is, a, a remake of the Doctor Doolittle film, which was a musical with Rex Harrison. Uh, which this apparently is not a uh, musical, but it is a live action uh, CGI. Doctor Doolittle talks to the animals film. Yeah, set in Victorian times. This one. Yeah. Um, I also got <clears throat> Onward and Mulan and James Bond. I got Mulan. Mulan actually looks pretty good. Yeah. And you know, I have not been a. I, I have had no interest at all, zero interest at all, in seeing any of those uh, Disney live action remakes of their uh, film features. But uh, the Mulan, you know, is a vaguely reminiscent of uh, Hidden Crouching Tiger Dragon. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I think I'm in. <clears throat> I like I like the Mulan trailer. I never saw the cartoon. Uh, the cartoon's pretty the, decent. The film- the film is great. I, I love uh, the animated feature. Well, I got something else. Um, oh, uh, f- free free guy, free free something. The one yeah. with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah I terrible. saw that. It looks weird, and it just does not appeal to me at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. meh, yeah, meh. Yeah, there, I I, I, there was a lot on the screen that I wouldn't, I wasn't too interested in, and I just kept going to start the movie. Start the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, none of it really. Twenty twenty, not blowing my mind as far as what's on the docket between, you know, James Bond. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about. It's gonna be awesome. Okay. Him versus Freddie Mercury. That's gonna be <laughs> awesome. Um, but you know, other than Bad Boys, like even like the Birds of Prey, I, I'm I'm meh on. I don't oh, know. No, the Birds of Prey looks horrible, and uh, the Black Widow did not sell me. Yeah, me either. So I don't know. I, you know, it's going to be an interesting year. I think. Uh, I think it's not going to be the best year for movies. But this year we had both the conclusion of the Avengers movies with, or the phase whatever the the Infinity Saga, and the conclusion of the Skywalker Saga in one year. Um, well, except that the Skywalker Saga took forty two years. To, uh, yeah. to come to its conclusion versus the 10 for Avengers. So, well, and I didn't realize until they announced that this was the conclusion of the Skywalker saga that we were involved in a Skywalker saga. Oh. You know, I mean, oh. I, I just thought these were our Star Wars films. And gotcha. This is what our Star Wars films would always be. I didn't realize that that uh, this was actually a, a, a Skywalker saga. Yeah, I think they, they, they have since dubbed it so, so that they can conclude the story and... Uh, you know, tell other stories like Mandalorian and stuff like that without being tied to the Skywalker family, which I will yeah. say observation as we go into Rise of Skywalker. It occurred to me at the end of this film that this is really kind of like they're they're referring to it as the Skywalker saga, uh-huh. but it's as much the Palpatine saga as it is the Skywalker yeah. saga. It's kind yeah, it's of a, like... Yeah. It, it's it's a hidden Palpatine saga. I mean, you don't realize that you're watching the Palpatine saga until, you know, you're in the last film. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, essentially yeah. every film involves a Palpatine and a Skywalker. Yeah. Um, you know, like a Hatfields and McCoys kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I, I think that's a whole branch of storytelling I'm interested in. Yeah, agreed. You know? <clears throat> well, I, you know... Uh, oh, yeah, spoiler warnings. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim has muted his microphone because he hasn't seen it yet, and we don't want to ruin Christmas for him. But uh, I gotta say, just to remind folks, I desperately hated the previous Star Wars film. I hated it, hated it, hated it. Um, for a number of reasons. I was not one of the people who hated uh, the message that the force is for everybody. That didn't bug me. It was everything else about that movie. And I won't, I won't uh, peel that onion all over again. But let me just say, you know, as a top-level review, um, I enjoyed this movie much more than the previous one. Um, I, I, I found that J.J. Uh, uh, really has a handle on these characters, just like he did in Force Awakens. He understands the nostalgia. And I, you know, as as a real high level review, I thought this w- was was a much more enjoyable film than the previous one. Yeah, I completely agree. The previous one, I think, had some really good moments in it, but as an overall film, it didn't work. And I didn't like the message of the forces for everyone. I kind of like the the storytelling dynasties of the force. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I wanted yeah. Ray to be someone special. I agree. I you know and. I, I do like that uh, <clears throat> there are people who are more connected, but I, I did not object to that message in spirit. And here's what I find amazing. And we talked a li- Paul and I talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking about how full of shit people in Hollywood are and how they'll, you know, for example, in the uh, uh, crisis aftermath shows with Kevin Smith, you know, they talked about, you know, God, Stephen Amell just killed that death scene. He was just, you know, he was amazing. He was just emoting. What a fantastic actor. That was a terrific moment he had. And, you know, the bullshit is, is that we just saw it and it was terrible. And, you know, all he did was seem sleepy. And so, you know, Hollywood people are always selling, selling, selling. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're disingenuous. And when, if you'll recall, back when the previous Star Wars film came out, J.J. Abrams was like, oh, my God, Ryan Johnson killed it. He nailed it. I love all the things that he developed for the film and yada, 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 yada. And I'd like to point out, so little of that came forward in uh, this movie. In fact, I'm most like, of it was downright yeah, contradictory. He, he, yeah. yeah, and he later said he didn't like it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, uh, terribly amused. At uh, yeah, I liked it so much I didn't use any of your crap. Yeah. What I, what, the most obvious one, and it's it's about 15, eh, 20 minutes into the film. You know, um, Finn and Poe and Ray are about to go on a mission together. Uh huh. And Rose walks up, and and Finn goes, "You sure you don't want to come with us?" And Rose goes, "Nah, I'm gonna stay behind." And it's like, huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's she gets a jar jar amount of attention <laughs> in yeah. this movie, much as he got in uh, uh, the third prequel. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like, yeah, you stay over there in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that that for me is a little sad because I actually really like her character. She was in a horrible storyline in the uh, last movie and had nothing good to do, but as an actress and for the character, I liked her, and I liked her in this movie. What little we saw of her. Yeah, I will say, you know, I, so I actually liked her more in this movie than I did in the last movie. Um, and I didn't mind her in the last less movie. Less is did, more, Paul. Less is more, right? But I do think the last <laughs> movie, you know, and I know we keep comparing to The Last Jedi, even though we say we're not going to peel back that onion. Um, the, the issues were mostly story inherent. Like, the acting seemed fine. The direction was beautiful. Yeah. Cinematography yeah. was great. But the story definitely had flaws. And quite frankly, um, they, they took turns with the story without 
taking into account that there was someone else that still had to finish this damn thing. Um, right. So I think, as the con- from a high level, as the conclusion to the Skywalker saga, the rise of Skywalker is the best it could possibly be, given that the three main characters or the three you know that from the Star Wars uh, original trilogy are either dead in real life or dead in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they, they did the best they possibly could, given that, that factor and given what the, the, the storyline led to at the end of Part 8. Yeah. Well, they did will... a, a really good job with the Carrie Fisher footage, like to the point that you wouldn't necessarily know that she didn't film anything for this. Except for But story. they could have done so much more. Yeah, well, here's, here's the thing. I said at the end of the, the previous film that it was a mistake for them not to do a rewrite and kill off Princess Leia at the end of, uh, of, uh, well, they filmed a death the scene. That's the thing. Like she literally flew yeah. out into space and had that right. scene so, been I kept, mean, just cut like the, the cut her Mary pop. It would have, ex- it's basically 10 minutes of trimming from that movie. Well, and I mean, I would have retooled it where, uh, Luke Skywalker survives so yeah. you could continue to have him for the final film. Uh, I, I feel like that was a wasted opportunity, you know, and, you know, clearly they, they had some thoughts on, on what uh, Carrie Fisher was going to do in this film. And I imagine it was going to be more than what they did with the CGI. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that was a wasted opportunity. They really should have retooled that. And you, I mean, I think, I think both of them, both of those elements could have been tweaked in a pretty minor way without it costing them a, a fuck ton of money. And I, I just I, I think, think it was a mistake. I think it was a mistake for the story. I think it was a mistake for this, quote, saga that we're in. And I think it would have been a lot more satisfying to have uh, uh, Luke maybe die in the, the last movie versus having him die in the second movie. Yeah, it, it, for me, it, it's very indicative of the fact that the director wanted to, a, a specific vision and he wasn't willing mm-hmm. to play ball with you know, the corporate mindset yeah. of, no, tell the story we want you to tell. And, you know, I'm yeah. not I'm not a Brian Johnson hater. I actually quite liked Knives Out, oh, his I, film that just got released. Yeah, but, I, Knives Out was fantastic, and I loved his work on Breaking Bad. He's an excellent director. I just don't care for some of the choices that, or many of the choices that he made yeah. in uh, The Last Jedi. But to, to your point, I think Rise of Skywalker, very nostalgic, um, and mm-hmm. you know, in every review, it's funny because every review I've said, I've read that didn't like the film is it jams too much into it. It's too rooted in nostalgia. It walks back all the forward progress last Jedi made and, you know, and, and, and that, and, you know, it's, it's basically nothing but fan service. And I gotta be honest, other than the fact that, yes, I do feel like they fit too much into this film, but I think that's pretty much the fact that jj had to finish the story somehow and he had to get the story to the point where he could tell the story he wanted to after party yeah. um i agree with all those things but in a positive way i liked the fan yeah. service and you know to a point yeah if it, it, it feels like yes any one of us could have written this movie because it basically yeah. checked all the check boxes that it needed to check right. as a fan but i think that's what i liked about it it was unimaginative <laughs> um well, and there were so, so many small easter eggs in there oh yeah like in the scene when all the ships show up, the ghost from Rebels is one of the ships that's in there yeah. fighting. Yeah, and all yeah. the the Jedi voices at the end. I mean, other yeah. than, I, I will say my main gripe about the film, my one main gripe about the film, 
And I have a, a couple of them throughout, but the biggest gripe I have is I wish the special effects had been better when Ray took out Palpatine. Because yeah. at the when she's literally standing there with the two lightsabers and he's zapping her with the um the force lightning, I'm watching it, I'm like, it just feels to me like they're shining a blue light on her and she's standing still in a room. Like they, they, they didn't know, sell that to me. I really enjoyed her her, her two handed uh, lightsaber fight with him, um, but I agree. I think that, that some of that could have been sharpened up. Um, I, I I was amused that she's so surprised when Luke shows up as a Force ghost. You know, more than halfway through the movie, um, and I'm like, why? I don't understand that. This is this is a an ability that we know they've got, you know, that Jedi have the ability to return as force ghosts. Uh, we've known this for a very long time. Why would he have waited so long to show up? I don't understand that. Yeah, why is he beholden to that for, planet, which is interesting also. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I was amused that, you know, porgs show up in just 2 seconds of film. Yeah, they're on the poster, <laughs> which is funny to me. Yeah. Um so that is one thing that bothers me is the scope creep of force powers. Uh-huh. It went from initially being basically psionics to this is just pure magic. Mm-hmm. And most of it I don't mind. Like force projection, I'm completely cool with. Force teleporting things like lightsabers and masks yeah. and yeah. You know, that, well, they're a dyad. They're a dyad, Wayne. Yeah. That part, <laughs> that I didn't care for. That was a bit too much. I hate the name of the movie. I think the Rise of Skywalker is a horrible name that uh, doesn't really tell the story of the movie at all. Uh, I think Last Jedi, I think, was a good name. You know, I think they could have done like Rise of the Jedi or something if they yeah. wanted to. But yeah, Rise of Skywalker is a horrible name. What I love about it is that you know they they the Star Wars site and all that said you have to see Mandalorian before you see Rise of Skywalker. This week's Mandalorian. That's why they released it on Wednesday. Like you have to see it well, before you see because of that. Uh, it's because of that that Baby Yoda end credit scene, Paul. <laughs> it's because yeah, of the. the I, I'm sorry. Has anyone seen? Has Has anyone not seen this week's Mando? I haven't seen it, but go ahead. Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a light spoiler, but it's the the healing thing that you see Ray do in this film and, and Kylo do in this film. Baby Yoda does in this week's episode of Mandalorian, and yeah, they I, want to establish. Yeah, they, that ability. Yeah, I think they wanted to establish that ability before people bitched that Ray had too much power. <laughs> I, 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 it feels to me like, hey, you love Baby Yoda, and he did that shit first. That's exactly what that feels like to me. Yeah, and you know, I'm cool with force healing. That makes sense to me. That it's something it that the force couldn't do. Well, and that your lightsabers doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that you're giving a portion of your life force, right? Which is why spoilers. Uh, uh, Ren dies at the end of the film, yeah. right? Because he gives all of his life to essentially resurrect uh, uh, Ray, which I find, you know, it's really sort of an interesting turnabout when you think about how that links up to what happened between Anakin and uh, uh, Padme, yeah, right? Uh, because it never occurred, you know, he, of course, he doesn't have the ability, but it never occurs to Anakin that he can give his life for hers. Never occurs to him because why? Because Anakin's a son of a bitch. Which is funny because when Anakin, you know, like Ray is reaching out for all the Jedi to 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 give her power, which 
to me, feels like a missed opportunity to literally have a row of Force ghosts of Jedi exactly. behind her. Like that would. I yeah. do think. I think that is a huge missing moment that you that you don't get. You know, uh, an Obi Wan Force ghost. You know that you don't get. You, you don't have just whole just everybody. Samuel L. Jackson, the whole schmear, yeah. all those guys, and they have Especially all their voices because you have the Force set. Yeah. yeah, well, and they have all the voices, right? They got Sam Jackson, they got Freddie Prince, they got Ewan McGregor, they got, you know, um, Frank Oz. They have all those voices. It feels like it would have been more impactful to have their ghosts behind her. You know, I, I, I think that would have actually been huge for fans and for the audience. Um, yeah. But my favorite part of Ray reaching out and the Force is Anakin's voice saying, bring balance to the Force like I did. Because I'm like, the yeah. fuck did you do? Yeah, no, <laughs> you didn't I do any of that. Thing. I, I was like, I was like, was that Anakin talking? Because <laughs> he really didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he wiped out all the Force users. <laughs> yeah, well, fair. <laughs> he balanced it. I, I think you know he keeps using that word balance, and I don't think he knows what it means. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, things like I, I, I mean, gotta uh, say, I. Go ahead. It's not my favorite Star Wars film by any stretch of the imagination. It's also not my favorite of this trilogy, but it. It exceeded my expectations uh, based on the the poor storytelling of the of the uh, previous film. So I enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to owning it on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. C three PO has some great lines in this one. Agreed. Actually, this is probably one of my favorite C three PO films. Except I'll say that that three PO's sacrifice is cheapened when they. Uh, restore his memory yeah well same like chewbacca's sacrifice right like if that that would those are that's one of the qualms i have is that for the main characters there were no real stakes chewbacca oh my god chewbacca's dead no wait he's not you find out five minutes later exactly i mean it's like it's because you know i'm like did they just fucking kill chewbacca and i'm like no they didn't because we didn't see it yep and then c3po right they wiped his memory oh that's so sad oh but it's back 10 minutes later i think think they missed an opportunity too though if uh they're poking around in his brain for missing memories or memories he, he can't uh, share. They could have brought back his prequel memories. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if I you could have had a faulty restoration, yeah. right? Where he he knows some things and he doesn't know others. That would have been more interesting than just okay, I'm fine now. Yeah, yeah. Or it would have been interesting for him to just have to get to re know uh, the people around him. But, of course, they didn't have that kind of time, which I think is why they did the reboot. But if you're going to do that, don't wipe his memories. Don't make it seem like there's a sacrifice there because there wasn't. Yeah. Oh, well. But, you know, regardless, yeah. anyway, I enjoyed I, the hell again, out of it. I, same here. Same here. Yeah. And, and I'm looking forward to see it and get it, seeing it again. Well, you know, another big finale occurred this week. Uh, do, do we want to invite uh, Tim back? No, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but another big finale that occurred this week Actually, we had a bunch of big... We had All we're talking about this week is finales. We're talking about the Star Wars finale. We're talking about Watchmen, Doomsday Clock, 2099, Annihilation Scourge. Um, but the next things we wanted to touch on were kind of... It, it, it's funny in that Watchmen, the TV series, um, which started production, I think, after Doomsday Clock started production, um, <laughs> yet somehow the 12 issues of the comic have come out have the the 12th issue of the comic has come out the same week as the finale of the tv show um not originally as not originally intended but kind of funnily coincidental uh because uh-huh. we can we can genuinely compare the two finales because they are very different sequels to the watchman story I, um I despite similarities say, did, you, 
Have you watched the finale? Part? I did as of last night. I gotta say, and I, I, we won't spoil any of this for you guys. Uh, cause I know neither, neither one of y'all have seen it yet, but, uh, I gotta say nine hours of perfect television. I, I, yeah. I, the, the episode that I like least is still a rather groundbreaking episode. Yeah. Uh, and, and I only, I only dislike it because there's so much in flashback, uh, and, you know, dream sort of, uh, sort of remembrances, but it's still a terrific episode. I, I, I just, I am, I am amazed at what they accomplished in, in nine hours of television. Are you talking about the hooded justice episode was your least favorite episode? Yeah. I actually like that episode. I, I know a lot of people do. I, I just, and again, it's not a bad episode. Um, and I think there's a lot in there that, that, that I thought was rather jaw dropping and, and, you know, just amazing. Again, uh, Damon Lindelof, put together an amazing writer's room and they've got terrific filmmakers working on this television show, uh, doing amazing things. I mean, there was, there's never a moment in the show that I felt like they didn't sell it, that they didn't convince me that, that all of this is real. And none of it felt um, like it was dragged out. Uh huh. Um, yeah. You know. Every, every moment in the show, every moment is ought to be there. Yeah. There's no there's no fat on that bone that I felt like okay guys you could have cut here, you know, um, we didn't it, need this episode we didn't need this scene everything is critical to the story which is you know what you get when you restrict Damon Lindelof to nine episodes instead of seven years or five years of television well um, and and HBO's giving him a blank check they want him to come back they want him to do a second season and he said he said you know I, I need I need the story to be there and in my head you know, based on the ending, there's plenty of story there, but he, he's got to be able to feel that, uh, to be able to tell that same level of story. Cause how do you do this again? I don't think you can. And I, that's the thing. I, like, yes, I think there, there is certainly <laughs> opening left for more story, but I don't need it. Like this was a fantastic sequel to the original Watchmen. It had some, I mean, it, it, I would say television show of the year. Um, you know, yeah. one of the best television shows I think I've ever seen. Uh, but certainly yeah, my favorite TV show that I've seen this year. Well, I, I just, it is an amazing show, but I'll tell you the spinoff that I want to see, Paul, is a looking glass spinoff. <laughs> I would I would pay good money to, I will buy another streaming service <laughs> to see a looking glass uh, uh, weekly procedural cop drama. Because I love that guy. That guy yeah. is awesome. I, I mean, like a movie or something would be good. Um, so, you know, in comparison, so watch the the Watchmen TV series is set uh, kind of real time, like thirty plus years after the events of the original Watchmen, uh, and is about a world that has, you know, the, the world that is now if Watchmen had happened. Um, however, as you learn throughout the series, there's a lot of ties and connections to the original characters until at some point around midway through the season, it's straight up just a, a Watchmen sequel. Um, you know, with a, a lot of the original, most of the original characters returning, not a, not a bunch of them, not every, no Dan Dryberg, no. no Dan Dryberg, WTF Paul. Well, apparently that was intentional because they, it felt like one too many. Yeah. I uh, just always felt like they were keeping him in their back pocket and that we'd see him at the very end or something, but no, no, no Dan Dryberg yeah. spoilers. But you know, that's actually a huge disappointment. He's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I, don't I mean, think his, would... his presence is felt and they refer to him, but he doesn't appear in the, in the, in the show. So I think the I, I think the the finale stuck the landing. It was it, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I I I agree. I you know it is amazing to me uh, 
with, it, like we've we've talked a lot about it's always easy. The setup is easy, right? You know, you you create your you start asking questions. You create your first issue, your first episode. You can seem grand in that in that whole. You know, we're setting the table, but can you stick the landing? And I, I think it's amazing that, that uh, Watchmen uh, on HBO did exactly that all the way through. Yeah. And the thing that I also find amazing is that after so many delays, uh, after, you know, uh, how long has it been? Two years, year and a half uh, for Doomsday Clock? About two uh, years, yeah. Issue 12 came out this week and stuck the landing. And I, I am, I, I was so surprised and happy and delighted by this comic book and, such that it wiped away all my irritation about how, how many delays it had. Yeah. This issue is a love letter to Superman. Yeah. It is a fantastic book, which, you know, I, because Tim, you're not the biggest Superman fan on the podcast. You're all caught up on doomsday clock. You know, we, we talked about how you were behind. Uh-huh. So you're all caught up now. What did you think of doomsday clock as a whole? Um, I think, I think when we look back um, at this collected, First of all, it's going to be five hours of your life to read it all because holy yeah. fuck! Yeah, it's it's a it's a heavy um, book. Like there's a lot of lot to read there. Like just the just the last issue was was thirty minutes, um, which is good because you know if you're if you're going to charge five bucks, that's sort of what I'd want. You know, Marvel yeah. take note. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in the beginning, in the first few issues of this run, I thought it's a little ostentatious to try to make this exactly like Watchmen. The style is exactly the same. There's a lot to read. There's a lot of cut time scenes. And I was like, are are they just doing this to ape it? And it's never going to get to the point where it's even remotely close to the original. I got to say guys, uh, I, I, I'm not sure it got there, but it's close enough for me to be like, this was well worth the journey. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that all of us, because we've, we've been very frustrated, primarily with the release schedule, um, but because the when, when, when nothing happens in an issue or when it feels like nothing happens in an issue, but we're only getting an issue every three months, it kind of exacerbates yeah. it. Um, but it's great to feel like, it's great to hear that we all felt like it stuck the landing. And it's, it's, there's still some imperfections, you know, um... I, I don't feel like we had satisfying conclusions to all of the Watchmen characters that they introduced, but you know, I I, I think for the most part, I, I loved this book. Um, I love that Clark's parents is back are back. Basically, that's that's the main thing that came out of this book is that Clark has his parents again. Um, and well, that and the Justice Society's return and the Justice Society is back, which was you know a wonderful well, and- two page spread. And the Legion. And ten years from now, the big Marvel DC crossover. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to say that for me was actually my least favorite part of the book. (laughs) And I I wanted to love it, and I'm like, oh, this is fun. Except none of this shit's ever gonna happen. (laughs) You know, like it's you know they talk about oh, in the year 2030, the secret crisis. You know, between Marvel and DC, the year 2026. You know, the Superman goes on a quest to find Bruce Wayne's lost daughter. Earth 5G is the only thing that's supposedly going to happen. But, you know, it's it's just this interesting, like, 
I don't know that any of this is actually going to happen. <laughs> I wondered about the uh, references to 2020. Since it is right now, I think those will probably happen. I, yeah. I figure that stuff's on the board, uh, but I, the, the, you're right. As it spools out, that other stuff's not going to happen. Uh, so two things: one, uh, I think that it is a little nervy uh, to uh, give me two and a half pages of just black panels with no text on them. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I, That's a Jonathan I mean, Hickman move, right there. Well, and I mean. I, <laughs> I think that's an answer to, well, I, it has taken me forever to get this book out here. Let me eat some space up. Uh, Gary Franks. Uh, well, I don't mind that artistic choice, except when you're reading this in guided view. Uh-huh. And in one of those pages is nine panels of uh-huh. that. So you're flipping, 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 <laughs> flipping. Yeah. I got annoyed by that. I, yeah. I love that. Having the paper book. F you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't normally read in guided view. I usually, even though I read digitally, I read in page view. So that didn't bother me as much. But yeah, to your point with the guided view, I'm looking at it now through guided view. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. that's kind of rough. Yeah. <laughs> like so, how many times uh, do you have to click this damn thing? You know, it was it was great to spend so much time this week between HBO and DC Comics mired in new Watchmen storytelling, right? I mean, it was really nice to spend that kind of time in this universe. Um when 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 each medium is really performing at the top of its game, right? I mean, I think that if Doomsday Clock had faltered a little bit, it would have paled in comparison to HBO's efforts. Yeah. Uh, but I think they they both really did their thing great. Uh, now I will I, I will contrast it by saying when I read uh, DC Comics Doomsday Clock, I am not shamed or cowed by the uh, penis size of Dr. Manhattan. However, in HBO series, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what the he, worst part is? He is swinging a monster down there, Paul. <laughs> well, the worst part is that, you know, I've seen nine episodes of this damn show without Jen. Uh-huh. But she came in the room <laughs> during the last 20 minutes of the show. And in the last 20 minutes... More so than any episode of the show, there is a yeah. close up of his junk, and she's like, "What the hell?" And I'm like, "It's a whole thing." I mean, it is, it is clearly <laughs> a, a shower, not a grower, because I mean that thing is as long as his arm. I mean, and and, and I mean girth, and the thing's got to weigh thirty pounds. It <laughs> okay. is and if if you had the ability to recreate your body at the atomic level. You're going to be packing something, and you're going to be a shower and a grower. Fair Wait, point. You know what I find amusing? Oh, I don't want to spoil that. Never mind. Never mind. I won't spoil that for you. <laughs> but uh, he, he is huge down there. <laughs> huge. Well, it, both, uh, regardless of your feeling for penis size, um, <laughs> both Watchmen finales really stuck the landing. Uh, and now that both are the, out there fully, highly recommend binge-watching Watchmen finale and reading Doomsday Clock in, a, in kind of a bulk read as well, because I think Collected, this book is excellent. And, yeah, you know, I, I I'm, trying, I'm trying not to spoil, but I feel like both had the same, oddly enough, despite being written by two different people, and getting into the same, getting to the ending in two very different ways, I feel like they had the same ending, um, in a good way, just yeah. told differently, right? In, in same tone, 
yeah, same tone, same basic premise, just you know, in a, in a different way. Um, I love Doomsday Clock. I thought it was beautiful. I, my, 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 one of my favorite pages of the book is literally the back cover because you've been thinking this whole time that blood is oozing over the Watchmen clock, uh-huh. and you find out on the, the the back cover of this book that all this time it's been Superman's cape. Yeah, and I, I just thought that was beautiful, and I, I and it is this book is. As much about Watchmen's, in fact, I would say it's more about Superman's influence on the Watchmen universe yeah. than it is about Watchmen's influence on the DC universe. And you know, now all the things that have been set up in DC Rebirth, uh, other than the three Jokers, we've seen resolution to. Yeah, which I, I think three Jokers is due out March, if I remember correctly. Yeah, March or I've been watching the Twitter feed of the uh, artist, and it's supposed to be. We'll see. Yeah, I mean it's done. I mean he he's he's, I think he's done all, all the work he needed to do on it. Um, it may not be March because I don't think I've seen it. I saw it in the March solicitations, um, so it may be April, but it'll be released on time at least because it's all penciled and inked. So it's pretty much just got to be colored and released. Released on time for a book that was supposed to be out three years ago. Last yeah. year, Fair. yeah, Fair. yeah. You can't use on time for that. <laughs> so. The, we, we really liked uh, the new Star Wars film. We really liked, uh, you know, Watchmen on HBO. We really liked the conclusion to Doomsday Clock from DC Comics. So we are building up. We are building up. 2099 Omega had to have rocked it, right? God damn, this book was the worst piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a steaming turd. You know, how the first 2099 Alpha was actually pretty decent. Every yeah, well, 2099 book. book as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other yeah, than the Fantastic I, Four, I definitely wouldn't go so far as to say it it was the worst because I read Punisher 2099, ooh, but ooh. it it was not a good. It did not stick the ending at all. In fact, it didn't end. It didn't end. It wasn't an ending. It was nothing. Yeah. Like that's it the whole thing. That's the whole thing that's bugging me about this storyline is none of it. It's not a storyline. It's just yeah. a bunch of random vignettes set in the series, set in that timeline without any type of cohesion or narrative element to them and that's how this book felt like i i I, i'm I'm gonna be honest guys and maybe this makes me a dumbass one of the reasons i didn't even understand what the fuck happened in this book like i thought it was it was incoherent to me i agree it was well and i mean you've got here you've got uh doom on the cover of the book and he features so little in it it's mostly a narrative on spider-man 2099 yeah and i'm the whole time i'm reading this book going god they had an opportunity to really do something cool here uh they demonstrated that they had the ability to do something cool because i felt like alpha and the fantastic four book were really strong but man this was just terrible and the fact that none of the books that preceded it were linked up in any way, shape, or form. That there was no. Th- th- this was all just glimpses. It was like somebody uh, telling short stories in the setting, and none of the writers talked to each other. Yeah, right? I also feel like there are major parts of the story that you would be missing if you weren't reading the Spider-Man tie-ins that I know you mm-hmm. guys aren't reading. And well, yeah, and I got that. You know, there's a there's a panel or two in the book that that refers to that, and I'm like, uh huh. Okay, so I, now I need to read all of that. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the setup for Doom and what happened, you know, the fall of Doom and all of that uh-huh. is in that book. Miguel's uh, time in the past and him staying back there to live is in that book. And it just seems like major points that are part of that that I know it's on the checklist to read, but 
it just didn't. Uh, I feel like the, people are missing a big part. I don't care I enjoy- enough to reach out, and that's part of it. Like, right. if I care, yeah, if no. this storyline was good enough for me to care to reach out for more, then I would have. But this storyline didn't inspire me to want more <laughs> to buy those books. Right. Well, and I, I will say that there were some images that I really enjoyed, and I, same same images that I enjoyed in Alpha, which is you know the torturing of the Watcher. I thought that was really cool. I would have liked to have seen more of what got Doom there. Uh, but you know, it, they, they, they did not tell enough story. Uh, they didn't tell enough good story to keep me in the book. I, I thought, I, I think the 2099 books were overall a huge failure. Uh, and I'm, I am embarrassed on behalf of Marvel because 2099 is a great setting that they really just, you know, to use Paul's term, shit the bed. Yeah. And here's the frustrating thing is this book gives flashes to the real 2099 yeah but we still don't have any idea how doom changed things yeah what happened you know the older miguel's telling him that people will remember and that this young one's getting flashes of the other world but why how has this changed what happened none of that is explained none of it's wrapped up it's frustrating and they don't give you enough enough meat to make you care you know, because all I'm doing is like, well, I don't think I'm ever buying another 2099 book ever again. <laughs> you know, because this was awful. Yeah, in just fact, awful. I, I gotta say, I'm not. I don't love the way Marvel released these last two, because we're about to talk about Annihilation Scourge, and despite the fact that I actually enjoyed Annihilation Scourge, I'm not sure I love this crossover structure that Marvel's doing. Like, let's the release an alpha. Omega thing. Let's reach yeah. a, release a bunch of one shots, and then let's release a final book, um, because it, it's I, I don't I'm not digging it like it, it yeah. for for especially when it comes to annihilation scourge, even though overall I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. I would say that the re, the fact that they basically tried to release it all within the span of a month, mm-hmm. kind of reduced the impact of it. Like it's not. It doesn't feel like you know the 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 original Annihilation crossovers were crossovers and they were big and they were massive and they were epic. I don't feel like Annihilation Scourge was epic. I feel like okay, this was a nice little story. It's over now. It's mm-hmm. not going to have any impact on the greater universe, um, especially with the way that it ended, which undid the one big thing that happened in the book. Right. So that's you know I, I would say in both situations, I wouldn't say that either one of them really stuck the landing for me. Well, I, I disagree with you on Annihilation Scourge. Um, I really enjoyed it from beginning to end. Uh, there's only the one book that I did not like, which was the Beta Ray Bill book. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, here's the funny thing. I like Beta Ray Bill's appearance in Omega. Yeah, I you mean, know, I'm not saying I didn't like the book. I would just say, like, yeah. it just... It, overall, I, it, it was an enjoyable side story. It wasn't an yeah. epic crossover. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, and I don't have a problem with, you know, uh, I won't spoil it, but I don't have a problem with what they undid at the very end of the book simply for the fact that we know, we know all of that technology exists in the negative zone, right? So there'd be no reason for that technology not to be employed. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with that. Um, but I got to tell you, I uh, I really enjoyed it. I, it, was, it was the kind of cosmic 
storytelling that I have missed in Marvel that I used to get in Guardians of the Galaxy back before Bendis took it over yeah. and has been missing since. Yeah, I know that there's other writers on it now, but it has been missing. And I don't feel like these characters have been used appropriately. And it was nice to see them get the band back together, minus the Guardians of the Galaxy, because I had a lot of fun in this book. I did, too. Uh, I mean, I did. And I enjoyed the, the appearance of a lot of the characters. I don't know what's I, going on in Guardians right now. Now, Paul, mm-hmm. you know, I got all excited for a moment when Thunderstrike shows up in this book. And then immediately, one panel later, taken out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God damn it. I mean, they've even got, you know, uh, Darkhawk in there for Tim. But uh, I can't have my Thunderstrike for more than a panel. Nope. I mean, it's not even a full-on shot of Thunderstrike. It's his back. And I'm like, yay, oh. <laughs> and he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your century just took him apart. You know, I just... Bastards. <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I, I will say one thing that kind of bugged me about the book is the ending in the way that basically... Like, this black hole forms, this vortex thing, and they're all getting sucked in, and then it's a big black page that basically just says, oh, but they didn't. You know, like, it's in literally the last four pages of the book. Like, everyone's, I'm not going to make it. It's pulling us in. And then, like, there's a big black page, and then you find out, okay, yeah, they escaped. Like, but why why couldn't they show that? You know, did they just run out of time or did did they not know how to portray that visually? And more importantly, why wasn't it nine pages of black? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't we get two and a half pages of black? Yeah, no. Good, good point. But I, I, I overall really enjoyed Annihilation Scourge. I think it's a nice addition to the Annihilation series of books. Uh, I think I think they did a really good job on this. Uh, I'm I'm eager to see more of it. Yeah, I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, I, I think other than twenty ninety nine, uh, you know, this was a huge week in comics. We d- we didn't even talk about a third of the comics yeah. that yeah. we probably purchased this week, but we well, talked I about the big you, ones. We we were in our in our uh, funny books chat that we have. We're talking about how much we were going to spend this week, and I was like, I think I think it's going to be forty five bucks for me. Before I started putting comics back, it was sixty four dollars this week. Yeah, yeah, I had to put stuff back too. I, I, and you know, one of the things I put back was twenty nine twenty ninety nine Omega, and then I saw that you and you and Paul had actually read it. I'm like, fuck. Okay, I'll 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 go ahead and pick it up because I was like, I'll I'll get it in a week or two. You know, yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the reason this week was so big is because next week is on next Wednesday, uh, new comic release date is Christmas. So most comics, pretty much all comic shops are closed. Um, on Christmas Day. Uh, so th- I think that's why the huge jam the week before Christmas. Uh, the, we do have a couple of releases, but they're minor releases. You get a new Mark Wade, Kev Walker, Doctor Strange book, which I didn't realize they were rebooting or restarting that book. Um, which, I don't know, Mark I, you Wade, know, does it, Kev Walker, does it feel like they Does it feel like they've restarted Doctor Strange a lot lately, though? Yeah. I can't keep up with all that. I mean, because seriously, I love Doctor Strange, but I can't keep up with the storylines yeah, because they keep retitling the book. They renumber the book. And I'm like, I don't know what I've got. That's complete versus incomplete. Yeah. It's an odd. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an odd release. It's on hard that one. Um, and then you also have the release of spider ham, <laughs> um, issue one of five from Zeb Wells and Will Robson. Uh, those are pretty much the only two releases next week because so much came out this week. However, if you're looking yeah. for a way to spend your money and you read comics digitally, there is a huge star Wars sale 
on um, Comixology on all of the current Marvel Star Wars books. None of the uh, the Legends stuff. But you can get caught up on Dr. Aphra um, or the excellent Darth Vader books by Kieran Gillen and Charles Sewell. Uh, lots of good stuff in there if you're feeling the, the Star Wars. Well, I, you know, I am I am eager for the Comixology sales to really begin in earnest for uh, end of the year because usually there's a uh, there's buy one get ones, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm looking forward to to, to uh, getting caught up on some stuff. So, all right, very exciting. Well, hey, you know, we are uh, right around the corner to the funnies. Uh, probably not next week, but the week after. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if you if you have a thought around, uh, you know, the, the Funny Book Awards this year, give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on Facebook, IOM Geek, Instagram, IOM Geek, or Twitter, at Ideology Madness. We're at all the places. All the places. Except Reddit. Well, or, or TikTok. <laughs> or TikTok. Or Mealy. Or Mealy. <laughs> but we, we are still on MySpace and GeoCities. You can find us there. <laughs> Merry Christmas, y'all, and Happy New Year. Take care. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.